Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of October 7th, 2019. On the show today, the news. And Jim and I review Epcot's new nighttime show, Epcot Forever. And speaking of Jim, let's bring in the man who says that Socrates' last words were probably, I drank what? It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? What a lot of folks don't know about was what happened next. After Socrates drank that draft of poison, he was then mm-hmm. forced to get up and walk around till his legs felt numb. I knew this, actually. All right, go ahead. Today, this particular punishment is known as death by Epcot. <laughs> you drink something, you walk around till your legs feel numb. <laughs> you always have to be a little careful during food and wine. You know, it's just it's a craft beer with only a hint of hemlock. <laughs> I've been in Epcot, walking around Epcot for the last five days, oh. kind of looking at the construction. And we'll talk about it. But okay, well, maybe we should have. My the my feet, thing. my feet ache with an inner sadness, Jim, that I can't <laughs> I can't express in words. It's my feet are hurt. Anyway, okay. it's uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the show is going to be about Epcot. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim. And speaking of Epcot, let's do a shout out to uh, subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Ali E, Brian W, and Johnny Champagne. And longtime subscribers, Ijaka M, MM at Sarah Lawrence, and Whimsy for You. Jim, these folks are the jet ski drivers who pull those glowing on fire kites around World Chickas Lagoon for that new Epcot Forever show. And let me tell you, Jim, every one of them look dashing in their wetsuits. They also are very darkly dressed, aren't they? I mean, you could barely They're see all them. wearing, yeah, what, what could go wrong, Jim, with wearing black <laughs> on jet skis at night, pulling kites? around a lagoon with five other people doing the same thing. What, what could possibly go wrong? I don't know. I hear the lawyers drafting the notice now. <laughs> the, the, lawyers are t- the lawyers are typing like this right now, get, getting the complaint ready. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know that the job interview first question is, tell me about your life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> you have family? You have next of kin? You just just write it down here on the paper. No, no, no reason why. Just, mm. Also, I want to point out that Johnny Champagne is going to be my stage name for my next punk rock band. That is a great name. Wow. That is a great name. Yeah. All right. Let's do the uh, let's do the news, Jim. Uh, the Disney Dish News, folks, is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, I have this first news un- item under the category. It's fine. Everything is fine. Mm. It's all fine. <laughs> Jim, it's not even open yet, and Disney has announced 40% discounts at the Riviera Resort, which opens December 16th. 40% off, Jim. What is going on here? Let's start at the top, Len. This is the mm. 15th DVC. It's the very first one that's built on the grounds of a Walt Disney World moderate. So yep. Disney found themselves in a situation where they described where it was, and there was this slight hesitation. So the belief this time out coming on the heels of what you put over at Coronado Springs. You know, you launched a, a brand new, beautiful, elegant hotel over there, basically in the same window of time. So mm-hmm. they kind of need to prime the pump here. They, they need to let people know how truly elegant a Disney resort that's themed around the, the European Rio, Riviera can be. Once people get into this thing, those prices mm-hmm. aren't going to last. The Riviera is going to become a hot resort as people begin to get really aware of the Skyliner and what a boon it's going to be 
for the when the 50th anniversary happens and it's like hey yeah. i can step out the door of my hotel i can get on the skyliner i'm in the back door world showcase you know i'm in the heart of the party in seconds this is a property that things are going to happen. It's just, it's a tougher launch than I think Disney had anticipated, mm. though. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, which explains this discounting. I've heard from people that, uh, let's say, in uh, uh, Disney vacation sales, mm-hmm. external Disney vacation sales, so travel agents, I've mm-hmm. heard from some of them that Disney's quietly reaching out to them to ask why they think their clients aren't booking the Riviera. The note I got back is when they explain where it was, Right next to the Caribbean. And it's like, oh, it's a moderate. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's it's adjacent to Aruba, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's one of these things where people need to experience and then evangelize. That'll help put this out. But in a lot of ways, this was the hotel that was built to capitalize on the 50th anniversary. I mean, remember that rooftop restaurant that looks down into right. Epcot for the show. So Topolino, right? Yeah. yeah. So Topolino Terrace, yeah. In hindsight, maybe... Opening the Riviera seven months out might not have been the smartest idea. Is this the first Disney Deluxe adjacent to a Disney Moderate? I want to say yes. I mean, would you would you say that the Wilderness Lodge is adjacent to Fort Wilderness? I think that would be kind of a push to yeah. say that. If we're talking about reflections, a Disney Lakeside Lodge. Oh, right. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That'll be the other one, yeah. I had heard on the heels of the issue with the launch with Disney's Riviera Resort, that they're already having some discussions about when we get ready to launch that one, we really need to be able to differentiate here. Yeah. This is special. This is unique. And no, it's, you don't walk out the door and there's a campsite right next to you. Right. And I think the good news is that nobody thinks of Fort Wilderness as just a campsite. I mean, it's not a trailer park. No, right. So you're not going to, okay. In going over the the Skyliner, over uh, the... Caribbean Beach in the Riviera, mm-hmm. the decor of Aruba, you know, the color scheme mm-hmm. sort of matches French Riviera. I don't know that necessarily matches exactly what's what Disney has done with the Riviera, but if you think of like from the ground level, how the French Riviera looks mm-hmm. you know, from, from, a, from a boat, for example, the color scheme isn't that different? No, no, it right? isn't. It might go, yeah. If you go over the promotional material for the Riviera Resort, the word grandeur gets thrown around a lot. Just to step from Aruba, which is a, a beautiful moderate hotel. The fact that they're they're side by side, there's kind of a peanut butter and caviar thing going on here. That <laughs> I think that's exactly it. It's a peanut butter and caviar moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. Speaking of the Skyliner, Jim, I, uh, I did a little more writing on the uh, the Skyliner this week. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, this was the first few days after mm-hmm. it opened. There are definitely still some operational issues to be worked out. Mm-hmm. I will say the uh, the views are good. If you're at Aruba, you can use the Riviera Station. It's open now mm-hmm. to get around. And then even during the day, wearing shorts, mm-hmm. there's still enough airflow to cool the cabin. I will say that Disney kind of lucked out this week because... Humidity is relatively low in central Florida, mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel as oppressive uh, as it is. Again, they're working through some things, mm-hmm. but the the concern that we had about heat, I think, is uh, okay. not yet been experienced. I will say this. Mm-hmm. The line stops a lot more frequently mm-hmm. than I thought. I did a, a round trip between International Gateway mm-hmm. and Caribbean Beach, mm-hmm. and it stopped nine times on that road. The, the round trip took 90 minutes. 30 of that was waiting in line to board, mm-hmm. so 10 at International Gateway and 20 Caribbean Beach. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's super popular right now. So there are people who are riding just to ride. Yep. But still, uh, the route should have taken 27 to 30 minutes round trip if everything worked perfectly. Even with 30 minutes of waiting in line, that's 
30 extra minutes of delays from those nine stops. Yikes. That's a lot. Yeah. We also did some capacity checking during the first week of operations, trying to figure out how many cabins are dispatched out every hour. And so what the theoretical, the ride's theoretical hourly capacity is. So we measured in 10-minute uh, increments over four hours. The highest number of cabins dispatched in 10 minutes was 67. Ooh. That works out to uh, 10 people per cabin, mm -hmm. uh, around 4,000 people an hour. Mm -hmm. The lowest number of cabins dispatched in 10 minutes was 20. So one every 30 seconds. That's an hourly capacity of around 1,200 people. There were a lot of line stops. That's not good. Mm -hmm. But overall, it averaged around 300 cabins an hour, or around 3,000 people an hour if the cabins are filled. However, the cabins are not filled. They seem to be averaging around six or seven people per cabin. So based on everything in the real world thus far, they seem to be averaging anywhere from 1,800 to 2,100 people an hour. So call it 2,000 right now. Okay. They need to get that, up, that number up closer to 3,000. Mm -hmm. The other thing is uh, the POP line. So uh, Art of Animation to and POP to Caribbean Beach was down most of the day on Sunday or much of the day, along with lots of issues on the International Gateway Line. Uh, from what I understand, there are technicians on site from the manufacturer to sort of work through these things. And again, it's going to be expected for the first couple of weeks. If they're having these problems in November, I would be a little more concerned. Mm -hmm. But for now, uh, not bad. I will say this one thing, though, because this question came up. I got, I've got two of this exact question mm -hmm. in email, so I thought I'd bring it up on the, uh, on the show. And the question came from female visitors traveling alone. And the question was, could you find yourself in a cabin with all men? in the cabin by yourself. And specifically the question was, one question was, after food and wine, is it possible for me to get stuck in a cabin of drunk men? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. They mix, uh, mix people in. Mm -hmm. So the line separates when you, uh, when you load into two lines and they take some people from one group and some people from another. It's entirely possible you could get mixed in with, as they say, drunk frat boys. Mm -hmm. um, if that's the case, if it looks like it's going to happen, just tell the CM you're going to take for the, ne the next cabin and, and move back in line. Okay. Um, that's what I do. That's the advice that Karen and Georgia give over on the My Favorite Murder podcast. That basically, it's F politeness. Just say no. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying no. I'll get on the next one, right? There Absolutely. you go. I would probably not get on a, a in a cabin full of drunk frat boys after food and wine. Well, uh, either, that's because so. you value your shoes, Len. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to smell you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to look at you. There Just you leave me. Anyway, speaking of things to look at, I was also, uh, again, walking around Epcot a lot. Mm -hmm. They have brought out the construction walls and heavy equipment oh, uh, yeah. and uh, the demo equipment at, at Epcot Jam. Yeah. Just watching a video yesterday about this and it's like, given all the walls, you really need little bits of cheese to find your way through some of these areas. That's actually pretty funny funny they should do that yeah. this is like remy's ratatouille adventure but with uh yeah actually it is isn't it yeah it is it's very much <laughs> there's so. a joke in there somewhere we okay. have to do that who was the genius who decided that the construction walls would all be painted flat black in florida you want stuff that's going to retain heat in florida that that's a great i think choice. i think as you walk by it's like you're a, you're a mobile rotisserie chicken that's what i was going with <laughs> Keeps in the theme. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like yep. it, it, the the strange part is when they uh, uh, now when you enter in the Epcot entrance, mm -hmm. they douse you with poultry seasoning. <laughs> it's very strange. It's like what is this pixie dust? No, wait, that's that's parsley. Wait, what is that? Is that garlic? <laughs> Just continue to rub this on and go through our our complimentary <laughs> hot butter glaze. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. The the water misters have been replaced by margarine. But it's <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also, speaking of food, and mm. I don't know why we're recording this at lunchtime, I'm starving, mm -hmm. but uh, I also continued eating around World Showcase. Uh, two things I want to call out. Mm -hmm. Brazil's booth 
which uh, is between Belgium and France, has a cheese bread that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's two pieces of bread with cheese sort of baked in, about the size of large dinner rolls for around 450. You will fight your family for these. Brazil also has a crispy pork belly with black beans, tomato, and onions. $6. It's really good. It's very rich. Mm-hmm. But the black beans and the onion and the tomatoes, sort of this, the citrus and the, uh, the acid from the, sorry, not the citrus, the acid from that, mm-hmm. sort of balance it well. I liked it a lot. Also, and I know this isn't high concept or anything, Jim, but Italy's got uh, three crispy chicken tenders with marinara sauce. It's really tasty. For six bucks, it's a really good kid's meal. Mm. And so I, I encourage this. The lines are fairly long, which means it's popular. But still, I think it's one of the, it is really one of the tastier things in this part of, of World Showcase for food and wine. Another thing I was surprised at was, and this has got to be a food and wine thing, but Italy's not running their single slice pizza window after seven o'clock. And I'm thinking this is, it's got to be so people go to food and wine booths. Oh, yeah. I don't know how the accounting of that works. Yeah, I think you've nailed it in one, Len. Put them back into play, send them out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we uh, come back, we're going to talk about the new Epcot Forever show that debuted, well, technically yesterday, since we're recording this on Wednesday. We'll be right back, folks. All right, Jim, I was uh, in Epcot yesterday to see the debut of Epcot Forever. And by the way, I managed to hold it emotionally, hold it mostly together mm. for the end of Illuminations. It was uh, it was good, but we focused on Illuminations enough. Mm-hmm. Let us now look towards the future and Epcot Forever. I will say this, mm-hmm. while I was waiting for this show, apparently I was talking loud enough that people <laughs> recognized my voice. And again, I, I apologize to anyone who was around, but uh, a lot of Disney Dish listeners came up in uh, not only when I was waiting for the show, but in my walk around World Showcase. So shout outs to uh, Steve, Christine, Dan, Chris, Sue, Brian, Teresa, Lucas, and Mike, and all of their families for stopping to say, hey, it was great to hear from all y'all. Hope to see you again soon. Mm. So like I said, I stood in Italy to watch. Uh, Italy is a great viewing spot. One of the interesting things about this show, uh, as opposed to Illuminations, is there's no focal center point on the line. There's no globe. Mm-hmm. that you have to watch, yep. right? So as a result, most things happen in the air mm-hmm. and high enough to where you could be in many more places around World Showcase Lagoon and see the show, right? So you don't know, finding a really, really good spot, like the bridge between France and the UK pavilion, isn't nearly as important for this show as it was for Illuminations. So that's, that's really, really good. So if you're looking for a spot, most of the places around World Showcase where you can see up without a tree in front of you, uh, we'll be fine. Like okay. there's many more good spots in Germany. There are spaces along uh, the walkway between China and Germany. Many more, many more good places to watch than before. So good. Okay. Cool. By the way, did you watch the uh, Did you watch the live stream? I did. I did. You know, Nancy and I fired it up, and and I want to say this about the Disney Parks Lives host. It's like. You should stop at the 15th cappuccino. <laughs> they were really amped. I mean, it was like, oh, my God. You know, it, was, it was one of these things where it's like, you understand you're on television. You're coming into people's homes. They, they don't want you to climb through the screen and, and shake them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I heard the same thing. They were, uh, they were, they were enthusiastic. Uh, yeah, that's a polite way of putting it. Yeah, crazed enthusi- is also another way of describing <laughs> it. Manic? I don't know. <laughs> you know they've got medication for this, right? Okay. <laughs> there should have been somebody standing just off camera with a dart gun. <laughs> All right. So Disney specifically says in the pre-show announcement, it's about Epcot's past and future. Mm-hmm. The Epcot Forever show opens 
Uh, and we're going to talk here about the soundtrack for a little bit because I, I went through and wrote down what I thought was the source of different music tracks. So let's go through it real quick. Mm-hmm. I think it opens with a, a segment from the 1982 entrance music. It comes right before One Little Spark. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 99.9% sure it's 82 entrance music loop, Okay, which is fantastic. Then it goes One Little Spark interspersed with Walt talking about what Epcot means or what Epcot meant when he was c- coming up with the idea back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. It uh, switches to a little bit more 1982 entrance music. And again, for for people like me who who really like the 82 entrance music loop, it's a great way to begin. It goes uh, into We've Just Begun to Dream and then a clip from, I think, Horizons? It's, the, it's actually the Horizons song, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then Universe of Energy. So between the original Epcot entrance, the original Journey into Imagination, the original Horizons, the original Universe of Energy, nothing exists <laughs> that we've got to any, anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of, of corporate theme songs. Anyway, keep going. Then, uh, then it, they go into uh, Listen to the Land. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about this, it's a great clip. It runs for a while. Mm-hmm. But they're doing like a Western music themed arrangement of it. Almost like something like from the Billy the Kid suite from. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic uh, arrangement there. Then they do uh, New Horizons from mm-hmm. Horizons. Yep. And this is where it gets a little, this is where I couldn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. There's a call out to Soren where the narrator goes, uh, Soren to tower. Yeah. But I, I think the background music is Tomorrow's Child. A couple of times they do this over the course of the show. They they want that 82 Epcot, but at the same time, they want to acknowledge the stuff that's actually working in today's present Epcot. So it's not all that long before they then shift over to Jerry Goldsmith's score for Soaring. Right. And, and this is where this is where the kites come on. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these kites are, and we, I think we alluded to it in the, uh, in the subscriber shout out, but these are large kites mm-hmm. pulled by all black wearing people on apparently black jet skis mm-hmm. at night. Again, what could possibly go wrong? But the the kites glow, mm-hmm. like they're illuminated. I was going to say it's uh, it's neon. It's not neon. It's like glow sticks or something like that or LEDs. Mm-hmm. But they're huge. They're very colorful, all different colors. And they change colors as they go around uh, World Checkers. Uh, so, Jim, we, we'd seen hints of this effect, but what did it look like to you on the live stream? This is a plays best live in front of you show. Right. The poor folks who were trying to shoot this thing live and put it out o- over the Disney Parks live stream, the kites, they do these long shots and you'd have like this little teeny tiny, you know, set of kites running across the bottom of the screen. Right. They didn't play necessarily well there. I mean, they're so much more effective later in the show with the effect you'll reveal as we, we get to that part of the show. Right. What you said about it not showing well on on video yeah. is exactly right. Mm-hmm. What I had heard is that they were underwhelming mm-hmm. on the live stream. In person, it makes much more sense, mm-hmm. especially if you're close to the to – the, the kites go all around the perimeter of World Showcase Lagoon. But where I was in Italy, the kites were – the kites seemed exceptionally close. By the way, if you talk with the folks at Walt Disney World Entertainment, they will tell you that the kites were actually a, a throwback to Skeletoscope, which was the, yep. the first big, uh, well, that was a daytime show out on World Showcase Lagoon from 85 to like 87. So 
they will get defensive about the show. They already are getting defensive about the show, but it's like, no, the kites, that's a tie back to our history. That that's kaleidoscope. I, I figured that was the shout out. That was the connection. Yep. And even if it's not mm-hmm. close enough, right? Okay. Yep. All right. So then from there, you mentioned they go to Soren over California background music. Mm-hmm. So our time period at this point is 1982 to 2005. Yep. Right. Cause it's, a, it's the original Soren. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's uh, Magic Journeys from the opening day film at the Imagination Pavilion. This is the, I think, the pre-show to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. The pre-show for uh, for the uh, for the film. Then Tomorrow's Child again. So Tomorrow's Child is sort of like the connective tissue. I think through some of this, we're talking future and the future are children. There's a lot of children's voices in this thing. I will comment on that at the end, James. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for. <laughs> Don't, don't get me started. Okay. So from there, it does the uh, imagination, the original attraction song with uh, with a bit of the script, though, from the current attraction. Mm-hmm. And then uh, making memories from the Magic Journeys pre-show. Again, the uh, shout out to that. And I forgot, by the way, that making memories was a Sherman Brothers song. Yeah. 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 So we're going way back in the Disney corporate history mm-hmm. uh, there. Then uh, Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit from Kitchen Cabaret which was a crowd pleaser. Mm -hmm. I wonder though, Jim, how many people who are visiting Epcot for the first time are going to understand any of that? Like the entrance music is sort of generic. I mean, it fits fits all of Epcot. Mm -hmm. We've just begun to dream. Again, common theme throughout throughout Epcot. Horizons, get it? Mm -hmm. Universe of Energy, no one's going to get that. Listen to the Land, still there. Soren, still there, right? But by the time we get to Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit, that attraction hasn't existed for over a decade. My sense here is that people are gonna people are gonna connect this to living with the land, which is fine, mm-hmm. close enough. Yeah, yeah. right. I, I'm cool with that. We then segue into it's fun to be free from world of motion, but they even go with an obscure mix on that one. This is the one that was done in the attraction in the style of Spike Jones. <sighs> yeah, the musical comedian. They layer veggie veggie fruit fruit on top of. Uh, it's fun to be free is sort of a comic energy piece in the middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. That was so they, they go into a medley here of yeah. veggie veggie fruit fruit, mm-hmm. fun to be free. Uh, and it's actually it's a great version of fun to be free from mm-hmm. World of Motion. It is, it is, you know. And then imagination. Yeah. I get the whole nostalgia thing, but it's just sort of like, who exactly is this for? It's fan service, Jim. It's one year for Epcot fans. Yeah. And I completely get it. So when I when I said, you know, that nobody's nobody uh no first time visitor is gonna understand veggie veggie fruit fruit, mm. that's okay, right? Mm. For a year, it's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. So we do the medley of fun to be free, we do veggie, we do imagination, and then they go into sort of parade world showcase. Tapestry of Nations by Gavin Greenaway. Mm-hmm. Everyone that I was with, and again, I'm with some hardcore Epcot mm-hmm. fans, mm-hmm. lost their minds. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the, you know the story, right? In Tapestry of Nations, the, the, it, it's, there are no words, yeah. right? Gavin Greenaway specifically said he, he wrote the Hena, Hena, Hena mm-hmm. lyrics to sound like a, pro, a prototype language, mm-hmm. but that didn't actually mean anything, right? Some sort of universal sort of Earl language, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, then they do Golden Dreams, which... I guess you have to fit that in at some point from the American adventure. Mm -hmm. You got to fit that in. I don't know that I would put it in between that and what's coming next, which is celebrate the future hand in hand and again, tapestry of nations. Mm -hmm. I love the arrangement of celebrate the future hand in hand. It's just putting that golden dream sandwiching between those that uh, and tapestry of nations was a little odd. It didn't, it didn't not fit, Mm -hmm. 
it was fine. I mean, it's Golden Dreams. I would have thought that would have taken up a, a much bigger chunk of the show. I mean, it's literally, it's like kind of a nod quickly to Golden Dreams and then right into uh, Celebrate the Future Hand in Hand, the, the, the Tapestry of Nations chunk. It's a good point because... Like, I would have thought, gold, like, going into it, I figured, I was trying to think of two things, right? One, how are they going to fit Test Track mm-hmm. into the soundtrack? And the answer is, is they didn't, yep. right? Uh, also, Mission Space mm-hmm. didn't make the cut. And then the second thing was, you know, what are they going to do with Golden Dreams? And I honestly thought Golden Dreams was going to be the finale. Same thing here. Same thing here. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. So, they fit it in here. Yep. None of the other uh, World Showcase countries got uh, got musical segments, which, again, I can understand. Although, I was holding out hope mm-hmm. for a Gordon Lightfoot Canada tribute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yep. We're all the less for it. Mm-hmm. But they uh, they do a uh, One Little Spark reprise. And then this is where the show gets strange. Yeah. The last 145 mm-hmm. of the show. It's a 10-minute show. Yeah. Almost one-fifth of it mm-hmm. is finale which again for for a fireworks show Mm -hmm. that's about right so a minute 45 out of 10 minutes is the finale the music they chose is a whole new world from aladdin and i've got to say this was the wtf moment Mm -hmm. for me in the show this was the jarring Mm -hmm. what is going on here what am i listening to moment what did you think of it at home i've actually been on the phone with someone from entertainment who walked me through this decision we may have actually spoken to the same person and not know it we'll talk about that after the show okay but i i got a preview of i got a preview explanation of this okay so from someone over the weekend who said mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna hear and this is what we're going for go ahead go okay ahead. so how many of you folks remember from interventions of 1994 the walt disney imagineering land Black. The virtual reality thing. That's it exactly. Okay. Oh my God. All right. So do do a quick explanation of this. If you ever went to Disney Quest and rode the Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride, this is where they field tested Disney Vision, which was what that ride system was called at that point. And you got to do sort of a a taste test about, you know, that they'd pull a guest out of the audience, uh, you know, out of say 15, 20 people and they'd strap on the VR helmet, and they could then fly through the Cave of Wonders. Again, this was mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. Early prototype version of VR, virtual reality, with Disney. And you actually got on a a, a prototype magic carpet and put on the headset. Yep, that's it, exactly. And on a trip with my sister, my twin sister Linda, mm-hmm. she actually did this mm-hmm. in World Showcase. So I remember, I mean, I was right there watching it. I remember, God, it was hot that day. My God. But again, it was only open for two years. As they were putting the show together and they began to sort of lay these theme songs that had all been selected by executives in the late 70s and and 80s. And the thing is like, wow, these all sound a lot alike. And they're bringing this to Bob Chapek and he's, you know, talking about. Let me just say, let me just say, sounds alike and consistency Mm -hmm. are two sides of the same coin. Well, go ahead. All right. They sound consistent. So they bring it to Chapek. And by the way, this is exactly the story that I heard. So we, we, I know we haven't talked about it. We, we may have the exact same source here. Go ahead. Okay. So we are launching a whole new future world, world showcase. And, you know, we have this tie to Aladdin. So we have a way in to this particular IP. And so let's do it. This is why this show ends this way. Trust me, within the next week or so, folks, 
especially given some of the the, the pushback that, that Disney's already experiencing about the initial Epcot Forever, you're going to hear this story. You're, you're going to see images of the Walt Disney Imagineering Lab again, because this was actually part of Epcot's, you know, and again, this is a show about Epcot's past and future, and the Walt Disney Imagineering Lab was part of Epcot's past, so it's perfectly fair for us to use Aladdin music in this new nighttime show. By the same token, we can now put Barbie Forever... Oh, well, there we go. Okay. In it. I get All right. So I, I think my feelings on, on this particular song selection mm-hmm. are now well established. Mm-hmm. Overall, some basic notes on the show, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Uh, number one, I never need to hear children singing ever again. Like as a parent, mm-hmm. let me just say that I, I fully understand the saying, children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And it starts with them singing. There's a reason, by the way, the person I was with mm-hmm. turned to me. While the kids are singing, we're singing and says, there's a reason why children singing only appears in bad movies and horror films. And that's why. Also, having a child narrate the show infantilizes the original purpose of Epcot, which is celebrating imagination, enterprise, science, and technology. Mm-hmm. In other words, I don't, kids don't know anything about the purpose of Epcot. So the explanation of Epcot shouldn't come from children ever. Okay. Shouldn't happen. All right. Those are my complaints. That's a great note. Also, it wouldn't have killed them to do a 10-second shout-out to Illuminations. I understand why they didn't, but it is part of Epcot and a classic part of Epcot. I get I understand why. We just heard the show last night. A lot of people would have been like, enough. Mm -hmm. I get it. But they can tweak the soundtrack, right? They can tweak the soundtrack. Overall, I'd give it a B plus. Mm -hmm. I think the kites are interesting. They're a nice touch. The fireworks are solid. Mm -hmm. Most of the musical selections are pretty good. Like I said, the some of those things are classic throwbacks. Like the to open with the entrance music mm-hmm. was something that I I dared not hope for. Mm-hmm. Like to get that musical loop because that that entrance music is spectacular. Mm-hmm. They did Horizons, which I thought was going to be forgot. I love the Listen to the Land arrangement. I thought that was really good. So overall, yeah, uh, B plus, not bad. I would. Uh, I definitely think it's uh, it's. I mean, I think Happily Ever After is still the standard. Uh, now for uh, for nighttime stuff, but definitely might be my number two. It's definitely not lower than number three. Okay, what do you think? Uh, well, a couple of notes feeding off of this phone call with a creative. There's a reason that the imagination song was sung by a child, and they didn't use Dreamfinder or Figment because uh, again, there's still a decision being made about whether or not Figment is you know how big a role Figment is going to play in the journey. Figment, to- really? Yeah, the Journey into Imagination Pavilion. Redo is for phase two of Epcot, as we've discussed on an earlier Disney dish. And so there was a, a hard decision made to the effect of no Dreamfinder, no Figment. Don't, but don't make promises. You, we're not, we might not be able to keep it, yeah. right? So hold on. So, uh, mm-hmm. so my dessert party actually had mm-hmm. Figment-themed uh, desserts. Oh. So uh, tiny uh, chocolate-covered mousse things with Figment ears on them. Oh. In the right shade of purple, I might add. Okay. Also... They did veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit themed cupcakes. Oh. They did a tomato basil cupcake. And I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, no way, tomato basil cupcake. It was delicious. Wow. Who, uh, so let me just do a quick shout out. Whoever in Food and Bev did, did the dessert party stuff for last night. Fantastic job. A plus. You all deserve rewards. It was exquisite. All of the food mm-hmm. was appropriately themed and fantastic. Great job, Food and Bev. All right, go ahead. Okay, putting the Walt audio in 
very, very conscious choice, in, but particularly in regard to the the Dreamers Point statue that's going in. I mean, that's they, coming in. Yeah. yeah. Do you understand the positioning of that? They're literally putting that behind Spaceship Earth. So the idea is that you know you can get your pictures taken with Walt with Spaceship Earth looming over the both of you. Oh, it's a it's a, it'd be a great image. Yeah. If you put. Epcot Forever next to Illumination's Reflection of Earth. I mean, Illumination Reflections of Earth is a, a show about big ideas. Like, you know, that that yeah. 19th centuries of progress, you know, the new millennium. Epcot yeah. Forever is about a 37-year-old theme park. Yeah. It's completely different ambitions. Yeah. So let's pause on this for a second because the social media response to Epcot Forever last night was was not good. Yeah. I mean it would be charitable to call it mixed. Mm-hmm. But the people that were that I was with, and, and again, some of them work for Disney, so mm-hmm. let's go with that. Yep. Fairly pointed out that this is a one-year show. Yep. From the theme, you know it's fan service. Mm-hmm. It was never going to be, and we should never expect it to be, mm-hmm. something like Reflections of Earth, right? Mm-hmm. It just, it wasn't in the budget. It wasn't It wasn't what they have in mind, no. right? So, so the comparison is not apt. We should not do it. And knowing that, right, knowing that it's, Knowing that it's a jukebox musical of a a 37-year-old theme park, right? Mm -hmm. Puts it in a different context. According to my friend in entertainment, this was a conscious choice. That there was a plan at one point to the effect of let Illumination's Reflection of Earth finish its 20-year run and then go into Harmonious. But the fear was to go straight from... Oh, no. Yeah, no. The direct comparisons between the two. Yeah. So... (laughs) And they're going to be they're going to be stuck with Harmonious for years. You know, that's so exactly. They, and, and they, yeah, okay. So they need the transition. Yeah. So the notion was that this became the palate cleanser. You know, you drop the show mm-hmm. in, you do something that with a lot of sops to Epcot fans, and then out ahead of your fiftieth, you you launch yeah. into Harmonious. Not a bad idea, actually, from a project management perspective. From an from an expectations management perspective, not a bad idea at all. But here's the problem, that because this decision was made relatively late and there have been so many years of, of development and money poured into what finally became Harmonious, there was not a lot of money for Epcot Forever. So in-house, this is kind of referred to as the Jungle Book Alive with Magic 2. If we're making a decision, we have to move quickly to create this interim Epcot show. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, they still went the 70-piece orchestra. They still went over to Abbey Road Studios and recorded. And Disney tried for a certain level of quality with this, but this was, in a lot of ways, a rush job. The story we shared last week about... How this isn't a six-month show. This actually is running for a full year. It's definitely run for a year. So this is a third source that we have that yeah. you and I know together. Yeah. Who, yeah we're not going to mention anyone's name, but yeah. I don't expect to see our Harmonious before October 1st, 2020. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good point. For Again, from an expectations management mm-hmm. perspective, to have an intermediate show, mm-hmm. a throwaway show, if you will, between Reflections of Earth and Harmonious makes absolute sense. And it gives them more time to to figure out what's going to work and what's not. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with it. Obviously, we're coming up on holidays around the world. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, there will be an additional segment added to the show for the holiday season. By the way, did you notice the quick shout out to the Illuminations holiday tag in Epcot Forever, where they did the red and green fireworks? Oh, that's and right. And they talked about spirit of the season or something like yeah, that? Yeah, well, the, yeah. Well, this will be that yeah. much more developed. And in much the same way as happened with Jungle Book Alive with Magic, that there are going to be meetings over the next week to 10 days about this is the response. 
do we need to tweak or, or do we just bite the bullet and keep this in place the way it is for the next year? Because this show is supported with a lot of merch. A lot of merchandise, Jim. A lot of, lot of Goodbye Illuminations merch. Yeah. A lot of Epcot Forever. And it looks good, though, actually. The I, it does it, all uh, look looks great. Fantastic. Yeah. I know a lot of the Goodbye Illumination stuff sold. I'm, I'm a little concerned about the the Epcot Forever and, and how soon I can go over to the character warehouse. Yeah, like when is, when is this going to be a property control and I can get it for $4? There yeah, we right? go. Stuff like that. Derek Bergen will uh, will tell us. That he will. That he will. So but overall, not a bad show. I'm going to go see it again tomorrow night. Okay. See if it looks just as good. I'm going to try different vantage points around World Showcase over the next couple of weeks and see what happens. I'd love to hear if there's there's a sweet spot for this one. The problem of watching the live stream is just sort of like, look like a lot of really good new shells. Yeah. Good pyro. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see, say, a month or two down the line uh, if this is still the, the same version of the show and it, if not, what tweaks they make. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, keep everybody up to date on it. Okay. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. On next week's show, we're going to talk about the new Epcot Experience attraction at Epcot. Jim is going to review some changes to the hoop de doo script. We're going to go over uh, Disney Cruise Line's new ship announcement. In the meantime, please, please head on over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's doing a triathlon next weekend. And by triathlon... I mean the hot wings, French fry, and ranch chugging contest at the Philadelphia Wing Festival in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Good luck, Aaron. Before you send in your entrance fee for that, go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.